the grand finale to our long coverage of the unpredictable yet dependent Mam Night Joy is, is here. Maker of social dramas, action adventure, gangster action, kangaroo action, rape revenge action, sex action, slime action, and splatter action. All that comes to a close as his filmography does as well. And we go out on on a bang, with a bang, hopefully a high. Are you snoring in the background there? Hopefully we will go out on a high after that nap as uh, Nam Night Shore revisits the legend of Wisely. Adds B-movie fun, sci-fi, goo, gore, and the ultimate battle between a space cat and the superdog. Are you ready to close out the chapter of Nam Night Shore on the director series with me, Kenny B, and Tom KW in the background? I thought so. Here we go. Welcome to the grand finale of our director series on Nam Night Choi. We are covering the cat tonight, and it's uh, Friday night. It's uh, kind of celebratory, so I I have my celebratory uh, beer in front of me. Uh, oh, uh, I may have had half a bottle already. Stop um, me now. I'm no, no drugs might, on this. No. I might have had two bottles before that. Oh my god! <sighs> it's all the good. Rules, the rules, Ken. There are no rules. I, I'm the Hitler of this network, so this, there are I no rules. I make the rules. Yeah, exactly. I make the rules. Fuck you, Tom. No, it's not that bad, but it's good. It feels celebratory because it is Friday. We're doing the last of the Nam Night Choi uh, uh, series, and it uh, doesn't feel uh, no, it doesn't feel melancholy because we can all return to the series and the movies. It's not like the movies are gone. No, that's that's true. That's true. So yeah. keep keep it positive and think in a positive way while I do the contact information. And this is the director series on the Podcast on Fire Network website for this show and all the other shows, plus the bonus episodes, podcastonfire.com. Email for feedback, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Join the Facebook group that you can reach by typing in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search box or go to our page, facebook.com slash network. Click like on that page, of course, but follow the link to the group on that page as well and join the discussion and the fun over there. Uh, follow us on Twitter as well, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. I do my writing of uh, various movies, including um, uh, most of Nam Night Choi movies. Uh, of, of, I think all of these movies are, are written about on sogoodreviews.com. And I also do video reviews at slizykvideo.com ninjas. Taiwanese movies and uh, all kinds of uh, madness that no normal person should be watching. But hey, I'm not one of those. I'm not one of the normies at all. You're Ken. I know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> uh, follow me on twitter.com f- f- and uh, yeah, follow me on twitter.com and uh, the address is twitter.com forward slash so good reviews. I literally had half a bottle of beer and I'm stumbling already. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <Talking> up already. <laughs> I'm a, like a lightweight. I'm like uh, I'm like Wick in the young ones. You know, you passed out after half a glass of cider. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
subscribe to the director series because it will continue of course on itunes and if you like the show leave a star rating and leave a comment if you like the show we would very much appreciate that and you can stream us on stitcher or via stitcher the application is available for your iphone your ipad your android i think it's available on blackberries as well uh, but don't quote me on that i'm a bit unsure but regardless once you download that free application Type in Podcast on Fire Network within Stitcher and you can add each show individually, including the director's series. And Tommy Boy, what's yes. going on on vcinemashow.com? Plug your past efforts or your current efforts. I don't, I, I've not followed your work yeah, during the last week, so I don't know. Have you pub- published anything? I, I'm publishing reviews every day, Ken, this week. How did you not check them out? In my head. Check that shit out. <laughs> no, as as... As the Christmas period, New Year's period is is passing, I'm I'm slowly getting back into the uh, to work, slowly getting back into kind of building up some more reviews on there because it's a great website and I, and I I love you know love contributing to it. So hopefully you'll yeah you'll see more of the same kind of you know newer kind of Hong Kong stuff, um, stuff like that. Yeah, so hopefully there's some there's some good Hong Kong cinema coming out this year in the mm-hmm. UK on DVD and Blue. So hopefully you'll see some reviews you know of that. Excellent. As I get hold and, of it. Yeah, and as always, say I mean it's not about the uh, quantity really because you you don't have pressure on you. But when you do deliver, and this is all sincere, and I've said it before, but when you do deliver, you deliver. You are a good writer, and uh, in in my mind, do uh, do the movies. Um, you, you give a good good overview of movies. Uh, Thanks, man. So that's really, that's really nice, man. Uh, fuck you, Tom. Uh, <laughs> no, no, the fucking beer's getting to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I love you, man. Uh, fuck you. I'm being deadly, deadly serious there, man. You, you, you were one of the main websites that I started, you know, re- reading and, and getting kind of inspiration from and getting kind of, you know, just, just film lists of films from there to watch, you know. Is that a good thing, really? Is that really a good thing? Yeah. Mind well, fuck. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is before you weren't that big into, into your rape then. You were more into, <laughs> Dear into Lord. Bonds, like, you know, more classic stuff, you know. But it's still, it's all good. It's all good. It's reviews, right isn't it? It's just reviews of cinema we love, so. Yeah. Thanks, thanks very much. Yeah, back in the day, I mean, way before the Category 3 days, I did do The Cat. Because I wasn't into that stuff back then. So that review has been there for a number of years. So, uh, so I've loved this movie. I can say that right now for... Um, on my behalf, because I've said it, uh, yeah, I've, I've revealed it. I've revealed it for like every episode in this series that I love the cat. But uh, it's been on there way before the cat free. The cat was there already, I guess. Oh, you didn't. <laughs> Where's the instant rim shot website when I need it? <laughs> anyway, we are therefore moving on to it's a single bill because uh, we only have one movie left to review so it's a single bill tonight and it's 1992's the cat and plot from my review of the film with some um, additions um, because i felt the plot was a bit sparse wisely played by wisely and fuck you if you don't pronounce that name wisely i do because it's funnier that way wisely is played by wisely yeah Uh, He is anyway on the hunt for a mysterious black cat that seems to be behind a few mysterious occurrences in Hong Kong. When he eventually finds it, he realizes that it and its fellow extraterrestrial companions in human form, played by Gloria Yip and Lao Xuming, they are themselves hunted by an alien force that eventually takes over the body of a cop, played by Philip Mad Dog Quok, if you will. And... uh, the, the character Wisely has uh, been brought up in the series before as uh, Nam Night Choice for Seventh Curse was a Wisely story. It was Chin Su Ho who played uh, Wisely in that one. So let's go a little bit of info again on 
that character and its creator, Ni Kuang or Nai Fong. And uh, in this movie, it's Wise Lee playing that character, whose creator appears in um, in the opening and closing of The Seventh Curse. Um, as you may remember, there's, um, there's a party scene where he tells an adventure, and that's uh, Nai Fong. And he's in uh, the cat as well as uh, the uh, the dog enthusiast, uh, the dog lover who lends the super dog to, to uh, Wisely. And uh, Nai Fong was a novelist and screenwriter, reportedly over 400 film scripts. Uh, was what he managed to churn out, you know, and and you, and at Shaw Brothers, that that's where you see his name uh, the most as E. Kuang, and uh, it's very prolific. Uh, and uh, when watching all these classics, there was pretty much every movie had his name on it, you know, written by E. Kuang, and uh, most of them from Chang Che, the likes of One on Swordsman, Vengeance, The Water Margin, Shaolin Martial Arts, but he also did work for other directors like uh, Cho Yun on The Magic Blade, Web of Death, Clans of Intrigue, and even uh, non-Shaw stuff, of course, like uh, Shen Kuan Tai's uh, classic The Iron Monkey, 1977's uh, The Iron Monkey. Really good movie. If you haven't seen it, listeners, and you, Tom, go check it out. Really, really good. Yeah, it's, it's better than uh, Donnie Yen's effort in my humble opinion mm. I, I haven't seen it actually but I'm sure they're miles apart too it's not like a beat for beat remake yeah. no, Ma- no, maybe they're not even re- maybe they're not even re- I don't think Chen Quan Tai's Iron Monkey was a Wong Fei Hong tale no, no, at no, all no, no, no. at least in the dubbed version I mm-hmm. saw it was not mm-hmm. in the dub he was called Steve yeah fighting <laughs> Dave Uh, but anyway uh, Nai Fong is probably most famous for creating what essentially is like the Chinese equivalent of an Indiana Jones type of character called Wisely and uh, the character is said to have been born into a wealthy and big family and moved to Hong Kong um, eventually to to marry the daughter of the head of an underground society and I, I never got this clear when doing the research but that's the daughter is possibly the character of Bai Su that's what uh, Wikipedia, in a way, references. Uh, Wisely's various adventures had, has meant visits to the Earth's core, heaven, hell, the future, and the uh, alien planets. So what happens if a cat isn't at all uh, uh, unlikely in terms, of, uh, in terms of the universe that's uh, created here? I think it's more realistic compared to what I just mentioned. You know? <laughs> you know, it's that Wisely, gra- he's like a rash all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But despite... Um, well, not, not despite, but... Uh, um, the extraordinary stories that you read about and uh, you, you can determine within them that they are probably set in a time frame of circa 1960s to the 2000s so it sounds sci-fi but uh, they do set it in that time frame apparently and uh, Nifong offered 136 of the 145 wisely stores. I don't know if that's a current number but at one point <laughs> That was that's a, that was a pretty big big amount, you know. And uh, you've seen the characters in other movies, such as The Legend of Wisely, where he's played by Sam Hoy. A movie I want to rewatch. I quite enjoyed that. It's uh, directed by Teddy Robin, who also co-starred in it, and Joey Wong was the. Um... Yeah, I, I saw that last. I think it's last year for the first time. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed that. Hmm? A big, big, pretty big movie, big, big budget yeah. movie, and uh... epic. Kind of Indiana Jones kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Seemed like a good representation of uh, what the character could be like on screen. Fun mm, man, real fun film. Uh, he was also featured in, as we said, Nam Nine Choice for Seventh Curse, where it's Chin Su Ho who plays the character. He's also featured in Bury Me High, Chin Kalok plays him, and in Wesley's Mysterious Files, where Andy Lau plays him. That, that's a movie I'm not really keen to watch, but as the years pass, I'm 
I'm, I'm getting more interested in it because it was apparently it was so panned on release that Andrew Lau movie that I'm, I'm getting the itch to kind of watch it to see if it's that bad because the trailer anyway again a long fairly long movie maybe cut to two minutes you know it looked energetic in the trailer so I don't know it, it'll happen it'll happen uh, a few TV series have also featured the character including the new adventures of Wisely and the W Files where Michael Tao and Galen Lowe essayed the character respectively so that's uh, that's on wisely again and therefore we move on to the actor called wisely or wisely i've heard it i heard it's uh, been pronounced as well but that it, it's such a uh, not normal english name anyway so i'm i'm taking my liberties with the pronunciation. william lee that's 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 the correct pronunciation willie lee little willie lee willie lee yeah willie will just call him wang just wang is fine <laughs> Steve is Stephen Davis fine. I, I like when certain actors. Uh, they, they, there's a, at least two actresses called um, Lee Lee Lee, and one of them has the English name of Lily. So Lily Lee Lee Lee. Nice G- genius. <laughs> anyway, this uh, particular actor, Wisely, was born on December nineteenth in nineteen fifty nine. Was a graduate of the TVB Artists Training Academy of nineteen eighty two. He came from the same batch as uh, some deadbeats like Tony Long Chiuai and Francis M. Pricks. Yeah, deadbeats dead who, who, who went nowhere. Who the fuck are those guys? Get out of here. One of them appeared in some indie film called The Grandmasters that was just released. Oh, shit. What's that? Don't I don't care. Know. If it's not Transformers, don't care. <laughs> right? Right? You're waving your Transformers 4 flagged right now. Please yeah. come soon. Please come soon. Megan Fox, come back. Oh my god. So fucking watching MDF, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to uh, Wisely. He got noticed by Choi Hawk in a TV commercial, which led to an audition that led to his debut in John Woo's A Better Tomorrow in 1986, where he plays the. Uh, the brother that betrays Dick Long and Chiang Fat. And, uh, although we, we remember him spoilers! quite... Spoilers! spoilers! I mean, it happens not even mid-flick, so come on. Mm. Be glad I'm not spoiling the actual end of that movie if you haven't seen it, so... Hmm. They all live happily ever after. Well, they all appeared in the second one, so it's good, yeah? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we remember him in this villainous role, and... Uh, and definitely in a similar character trajectory um, as he was um, in John Woo's Bullet in the Head as well. But it did get notable good guy roles, thankfully, and I do remember them fondly. Um, during these um, glory days of Hong Kong cinema to boot, I mean, uh, what a great era to work in the uh, latter half of the 80s. And uh, one, some of these roles were in Kirk Wong's Gunman, in, uh, what is it, the Andrew Can, Johnny Toe co-directed, and Choi uh, Hawk produced The Big up, Heat. Dude. I think he was pretty much uh, yeah he, he put his finger in there somewhere and uh, and then and controlled the, the big heat but you know regardless it's a great product I really did give the big heat yep. nasty gory cop yep. thriller so great action yeah like many he mixed high profile titles with low budget ones during the 90s uh, like Center Stage Stanley Kwan Center Stage Chinese Ghost Story 2 don't remember from it I remember enjoying it but um Reason to rewatch. He, you know, he certainly wasn't the lead in Chinese Ghost Story 2. I know that. Obviously, they still had Leslie and Joey as leads. But um, one of my favorite roles was actually uh, as the dead cop uh, in the ultra low budget but highly enjoyable Shadow Cop, 
which is pretty much a, a, a variation of Ghost. Oh. So, so, so he's a dead cop in that regard that only one person sees. I think it's Karina Lau, but it. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's so low budget. They didn't even do any special effects of any kind, like him as a ghostly apparition or whatever. They just had him there and, uh, and, and worked up, worked off that. You know, no animated effects or anything. It was, but it was fun. It was really, really fun. I remember him um, being. I mean, it wasn't a standout role, but I remember him being really solid and have some good kind of bits and pieces in uh, the Andy Lau star uh, taste of killing and romance mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. from about 94 or something so he, he just pops up kind of now and then in kind of non i mean they're not glamorous roles are they he kind of he doesn't really take center stage a lot of the time kind of throughout the 90s but he comes up with these, these kind of solid roles and always gets some nice character moments i mm-hmm. think i've always i've always liked him yeah i don't i don't i can't see i mean i see him being kind of less of a presence than to you know actors who really kind of you know, there are obviously better actors than him, but I think he's always been kind of a, a nice presence, wasn't he? Definitely, and definitely as he grew older as well, and it got, yeah. got very, very short on screen, in my opinion. And it's very evident in the, I believe it's a 96 drama by director Shu K, which is um, not obviously the Shu K we, we know <laughs> and love. It's a, it's a male director, I think he's a film critic as well, uh, or historian of some kind, makes movies every now and again. Uh, he made a movie called Who Do Men, where Wisely plays a Peking opera performer alongside Josephine Chow's uh, iconic performance as an opera uh, performer as well. Oh. You and can... run out of time, to, you know... We yeah, exactly, go, he goes completely bald in running out of time. You know, no, not many people can carry a uh, carry a uh, you know a shaved head uh, well, but uh, wisely does it. He went um, completely uh, method actor for that and went the whole nine yards. Mm. I heard it's a rumor. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's not. It's not like it's revolutionary method acting or anything. <laughs> <laughs> shaved his head for art. <laughs> went the whole way. All right. <laughs> And uh, recently, on a few uh, the work during the last few years has been um, in, in the likes of Crazy and the City. He had an appearance on that, and in the first Overheard, which I haven't seen. Uh, has been a very frequent TV actor during the last few years as well, with roles in TVB series such as Mind Our Own Business, Cold Blood, Warm Heart, and Burning Flame, as well as being active on ATV and Mainland TV. So there's always work, and I think... Uh, is um, it pretty much looks the same, you know? It's not one of those guys who turned really, 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 really old, really, 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 really quickly. <laughs> so no, it's uh, always nice. It's always nice to see that a lot of these kind of great actors always have, you know, work there for them in TV at you know the end, of kind of near the end of their careers because you know for all the years they're put into making cool cinema, they should you know have a nice little steady paycheck um, these days in their kind of elder years. Yeah, I think they've earned it uh, definitely. All right, moving on to uh, one of the other male stars in this one, Philip Quark, Philip Mad Dog Quark. There are conflicting sources about when he was born. Some sources say he was born in 1945, some say 1951, but regardless, the Taiwan son studied picking opera and was an agile acrobat. He entered the film business with appearances at Shaw Brothers in the likes of Marco Polo, The Boxer Rebellion, The Brave Archer for Chang Che, but the true turnaround happened uh, uh, working for that very director, Chang Che, in 1978's um, cult classic Five Venoms, aka Five Deadly Venoms. Yep. He uh, was gathered, uh, grouped together with a, um, 
uh, with group of Taiwanese uh, picking opera performers, uh, the likes of Chang, uh, Xiang Sheng, San Qian, Lo Meng, and Lu Feng. And they would be known as the Venoms or Venoms Mob and gained a lot of popularity, especially overseas when these movies got played on, uh, in cinema, on TV, and there were plenty of bootlegs uh, floating around. Uh, so um, that's uh, I, I didn't really like Five Venoms at the time, but I recognize it's a cool movie, though. But it was not, uh, like, uh, flawed or anything. No, I, I agree. I'm, I'm not massively into the cult and it probably does need a rewatch for me kind of with an older head on to, to really take it all in but I mean it is oh, older head you're 14 years old Tom so what do you know about no, older head no I'm, I'm 16 now so I think I've had a couple <laughs> of years of, of yeah you've been there for two years you were 14 when you started yeah. <laughs> um, yes I, I think I need it I can see why, why it gets it's kind of cool following though because yeah it's cool man it's cool as shit like you know oh look colours masks awesome exactly they uh, that that uh, the the different uh, animal or rather insect designs of the fighting styles. Yeah. Uh, at least one was lizard. So uh... I remember the trailer being really fucking cool, and it always used to be on kind of loads of um, kind of you know free videos you'd get with magazines in the nineties, like video game magazines or kind of you know ma- magazines like that. There'd always be kind of like trailers for a bunch of stuff. Always save you with a soul. And five deadly villains. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the made the made in Hong Kong trailer package uh, went to uh, went to those yes, uh, yeah. to the magazines because I, I saw that trailer uh, on every release, you know, before and after the made in Hong Kong feature movies, uh, uh, which was cool. It looked really cool, and um, I think my love is greater for the trailer. You know what I mean? Because it uh, yeah. it was well cut. It was really well cut. Uh, not one of theirs. It was the original. Uh, uh, export trailer for Five Venoms. Yeah, with, I'm, I'm sure it kind of had some of the uh, the classic um, white text with the kind of poor grammar. Um, yeah, yeah, but of, all in English though. It was not ch- English, Chinese classic. and English, so that's yep. why I'm saying export. Uh, so um, it was it was good fun. And uh, uh, on Philip uh, Kwoki, he went back to Taiwan in 1981 and founded a film company with Venom's colleagues uh, Shang Sheng and Lu. Thing. And possibly one of their productions, and I don't think they made many, was the co-directed adventure between the three of them called Ninja in the Deadly Trap, which is a solid uh, little movie without being, you know, the ultra classic that uh, is uh, way too buried. But uh, it's a solid movie. They were all great physical. Uh, they were great fighters on screen. You know, them being so physical uh, helped elevate the entertainment level. So, 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 so go see it for that reason alone. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Will do, will do. (laughs) Uh, Philip uh, started to work more and more as an action director on TV and movies as the 80s went on, including on Chinese Ghost Story, The Big Heat with uh, Wisely, and Philip Kwok appears in a supporting role as well, as as part of the the gang of cops, I suppose. And on Peacock King, uh, that movie started a behind-the-scenes and on-screen collaboration between himself and director Nam Night Choi that would last up until tonight's movie The Cat. He gained international recognition recognition via the iconic performance of Mad Dog in John Woo's Hard Boiled, which uh, he also action directed. And it is an iconic performance because it's not just another henchman that is cool and vicious, but he's given character. Yeah. And uh, Phil Cork really it's a force in that one scary as hell but he is given character and I think that yeah, role it's... was made for him it, oh it dear lord his face and, and the way he kind of presents himself it, 
Absolutely. Like, yeah. Really comfortable on screen too. And I think that was evident uh, going back to Five Venoms because I liked Philip Kwok the most out of the gang. I think he stood out the most. He, he, he had a natural... Uh, a natural screen presence that he presence that he uh, developed over the years. I'd agree. I think his face suits more suits a villain more. So I think in this film, I was surprised when it went the way it did, but I was happy the way it went that mm. way because I think he was better suited for that role. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's fatty. It's fatty that is possessed by a space alien. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like, huh, really? <laughs> uh, but. Um, uh, da, da, da. Oh yeah, uh, after the international recognition that he got through Hardboiled, the Quark has worked internationally as fight choreographer on, uncredited fight choreographer on Michelle Yeoh's scenes in the James Bond movie Tomorrow Never Dies. He's worked yeah, on... He played... Um, he's in it? Uh, yeah, but I, I, I obviously have seen it, yeah, I mean, the, the Bond fan, but I haven't... He plays a character called General Chang, it says here, but I can't remember him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it might have been before I kind of started to recognise him because I, I, I don't think Tomorrow Never Dies. It's not, it's not one of my favourites. I don't mm. think. Well, I Michelle mean, is really great in it. Uh, yeah, oh god, yeah, I mean, it definitely. It's good. It's got yeah, it's good bits. Again, that probably needs a rewatch to be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, you got, got the Bond. Uh, you got the Bond fifty Blu-ray set by now. Yeah? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the paper out now and start writing things down it seems to be a show of I need to rewatch that that's <laughs> your <laughs> new catchphrase Ken. <laughs> I need to rewatch that and uh, he worked on as action director on Brotherhood of the Wolf uh, with uh, which was a French movie but featured Mark Dacascos as well Christoph Gans directed right. that one and uh, The Touch as well with Michelle Yeoh, which is not a good movie. Stay away from The Touch. What a failure. What a failure. Even action-wise. Don't touch The Touch. No, don't uh... do it. New catchphrase. And uh, latest work in the capacity of action director is uh, the likes of Blood Brothers from 2007 and 2008's Taiwan set Ballistic with Simon Yam. Uh, so there we are. I mean... It, is really iconic to me, uh, uh, but, but I have the relationship with the uh, 80s and 90s Philip Quark more than the old school stuff, and I, I still like that uh, that's, uh, that latter side of him uh, a lot more, uh, actually. Uh, and it was always inspiring to see him grow more comfortable as a player outside of the martial arts movies, for sure, brothers. And, and again, I wasn't a huge fan of Five, Five Venoms, but he and his uh, stubble, you know, his beard <laughs> stood out. <laughs> a really, really finely, finely tuned stubble, you know what I mean? Uh, like a Jimmy Wang Hugh esque. Uh, trim his hair. Absolutely. how to trim. And, and he was more charismatic than the other performers. Uh, Five Venoms is still worth a look because it's essentially a murder mystery, too. So he did try different things, not just a standardized re- revenge uh, tale and all of that. So. Yeah, I'd recommend it just because obviously there's many people out there that are seeing kind of maybe what you and me are not seeing, Ken. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously a popular film, so I'd still recommend it anyway. Mm-hmm. I need to recommend it to myself. Yes. <laughs> it starts with you, I suppose. <laughs> Tom, yep. do you want to watch it? Tom, watch it. Okay, Tom. All right, will do. <laughs> just the voice in my head again. <laughs> not schizo at all. <laughs> anyway, we are moving on to our review of The Cat. So, Tom, your first brief opinion first of The Cat, the final Nam Night Choi movie. Ooh. What did you think of The Cat? When I'd gotten over the sadness of it being our last Nam Night Choi film. Which was 89 minutes in. <laughs> yes. I was like, yay! Finally. Oh, it's Nam over. Night Shit. No, no, it wasn't that. It was, 
finally, you know, Nam Nitro is kind of masterpiece. Thank yeah. you. I, I'm glad. I'm glad you. I was kind of. I was kind of afraid. Like, hope. I don't want Tom to dislike it. I really don't. You're my own. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, it's 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 batshit insane. But I think it's overall it, it's his most consistent film. If I, if I had to say, you know, kind of sum it up, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I obviously I love it. I'll. Um, I'll. I'll lead here, and uh, then we'll see where the discussion uh, gets us. I mean. Nam Nai Cho could be argued to be a bit of a gore king, a bit of a B-movie king, a bit of a king of goo, gore, and sci-fi. And and as you discussed last episode, Tom, uh, you, you you can see sort of when Nam's heart wasn't there thoroughly. I mean, in reference to erotic ghost story, uh, mainly. Uh, and it's easy to see when Nam Nai Cho uh, was confident to push and push hard, whether it's gory excess or nasty rape, uh, revenge action, you know what I mean? And, and yep. the cat is his last, and even though he might not have planned it that way, you know, uh, to for it to be his last movie, it really does play out like a swan song. Like uh, I'm, I'm gonna combine yeah, all I know, it's... and uh, here we go. You know, I'm I'm doing yeah. it. Fi- I'm doing it one final time, and boy, boy, is it gonna be a pure blast. And it is a pure blast. I mean, it's fun, man. Yeah. It doesn't do anything wrong. Uh, where it matters, okay? It has some slight loss, but it doesn't do anything wrong, really. Yeah, agree, definitely. And uh, and thankfully this time around, in reference to the story of Ricky, Nam Nai Choi isn't combining his special effects mastery, which is of course a mastery achieved with the crew, with something gravely dramatic and serious like story of Ricky did unsuccessfully. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because this has not got a serious bone in his body. You know, it's all all in it for the fun, but not for the comedic uh, fun. You know, it's not a uh, it's not a comedy. It's a it's a sci-fi movie, B movie, on gore and goo, and uh, and it's hot. Uh, it um, it's hot is fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, tra- I'll, I'll trademark in that shit. <laughs> uh, that shit needs to go on the Blu-ray release. Hundred percent. It's hot um, is fun, said by is, some weird guy with half a beer in him in Sweden. It sounds like a weird translation, like a kind of dry Japanese translation of English, or something <laughs> like that, some English. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> the hot is fun. Um, yeah. What do you think I, about I, the revisit to Wisely, first of all, is my question. The, re- the revisit? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was Wisely in the Seventh Curse, which you liked oh, a lot. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah. It it worked. The thing the thing was, I think it worked better here because I think he played an active role. Whereas the seventh curse, it was like, here's Wisely, here's story, and then he comes back at the end. I think this worked because obviously Wisely being Wisely was telling the story and also was in the film as well in the story. Well, well, well. So I can't. I can't hold I can't hell, am I remembering it. wrong here? Well, wasn't it Chin Su Ho who played Wisely in the the original, or was it or was it Chow Yun Fat who was Wisely? I mean, I I might be talking. Was it- let, let, let's be? pause for a moment but don't edit let's, anything I mean, let, let's just let's, see if I'm yeah. talking shit again man, and I might oh, be man. oh man this is down to the wire this is, this is oh the... man I'm so wrong of course it's Chai Fat who played wisely I mean sorry about that listener sorry Chin Su Ho is of course Dr. Yuan Chen as everybody knows that's okay <laughs> Kenny let me, let me rub your belly and get you some, some <laughs> oh, that's nice <laughs> <laughs> get me beer <laughs> Yeah, that's so that's that's yeah, that's what you almost made me doubt myself, then Ken. That's, that's <laughs> not good. I'm gonna cry. Um, yeah, because I think that's why he kind of plays, you know, a part in it. So I kept thinking, oh, it's wisely. Oh, he's also wisely. Yeah, 
and, he, and, he, and he's like the narrator that, and uh, <laughs> an active uh, he's the narrator and active uh, presence as well yeah he uh, does he does both and i think i mean i think that's definitely what sets up the beginning really well in terms of kind of you know a lot of kind of nanos might be straight in uh nano efforts might be straight in bang 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 um giving you what you want straight away what strikes me is is how nicely paced this film is mm-hmm. and how nam lets the actors and shots breathe and it casually racks up a relationship with the viewer and a sense of relationship between each of the characters um and kind of letting us in on events instead of smacking us over the head with them Mm-hmm. I'm very surprised the way he took the film, and, and that balance with the frequent kind of gore scenes really makes a you know a tremendous combination. But it, I think that's just why it works. He just lets it kind of breathe once. He doesn't try to cram in, you know, shitty drama or, or kind of just just too heavy kind of drama. It's kind of light, breezy. These characters are cool. We get to know them. They feel like you know they're having a good time. And I think once the gore comes, it's it's easy to stomach because we've already got a relationship with these characters and what they go through. Even though how kind of super it is and how tremendous it is and, and kind of crazy, that we still believe it because the characters are made human. And I, and I, and, and I sort of, I, I, I suppose I agree, but uh, I think uh, Wisely is fine in the role, but he's the straight man within this blast of an adventure. You know what I mean? Which is kind yeah. of like, he, he's sort of... Uh, the, the least interesting person, but I obviously don't dislike him at all. Uh, uh, but 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 wisely, I guess, as as written and conceived, was never really like I don't know, exotic and grating and uh, or anything like that. So so I guess he still must stay true to um, to the character. But 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 you notice that he's the straight man within all of this. Yeah, he's, uh, obviously it, it's kind of it, it's about like a lot of names films it's about kind of you know the main events and the, and the you know the sfx and, and the kind of horror stuff but i felt with this film it was his most it, well done in terms of the characters and their appeal i mean mm-hmm. i mean he's got some annoying as shit characters in in you know you know ghost snatchers for instance um with don't with, tell with, that to david harrison <laughs> with all Wong Jing and stuff it's you know but here it, i think all the characters aside from um Aside from Glory Yip, who I think is probably the weakest link in terms of acting. Oh, I think she, she looks just, good, man. She's she cute good. and all, but you know, mm. everything she says sounds like she's reading it off a cue card. There's no <laughs> conviction in anything she, she's saying. And I find most of the dialogue scenes with her just fucking really boring. And it doesn't help that he shoots her head on talking to the camera. So she's kind of speaking to you, and you're just like, shut up. You feel like you're having a conversation with her. It's like, can I speak for a second? <laughs> um, so I think that that's maybe, maybe my only gripe in terms of the acting. But I don't think I, I've, I've liked her really in anything I've seen. I just don't think she's got a lot of presence. She's nice, uh, you, know, you know, kind of flower vase role, but... Yeah, not a lot of kind of presence mm-hmm. for me personally, yeah, but the rest of the still, cast is fine. St- still young and uh, not given really material in these movies, so uh, no, so no, I, 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 I can sort of agree. Uh, I like that this tries to... Uh, it plays with us in terms of uh, what uh, genre is going to be done here and what content is going to be yeah. presented before us, because we are set up with a, with a little horror movie from the beginning, a blue-lit horror movie that's... Uh, Dark, ominous music in the credits. Uh, Lord... Soundtrack as well, really, really cool. Yeah, uh, yeah it was I, great. I kept replaying the end credits and doing little um, 
big fish, little fish cardboard box to it. In this beginning, Lawrence Lau, who played the inventor in Saga of the Phoenix, the Doc Brown character of Saga of the Phoenix, uh, he confronts his uh, neighbors uh, who are who are doing construction that night, uh, seemingly. And uh, there's like bells on the soundtrack that sounds like the clock striking 12. And, and, and he pounds on the door, you know, what are you doing, what are you doing? And he's greeted by a wide-eyed Lao Tzu Ming, who scares him with a, when he, he shows him his bloody hand, you know, he has blood all over his hand, and, and he sees Gloria Yip in there, and he's hypnotized by her, her beauty, so, and she's all in black, and, and, and it is a horror movie being created here, which is, I, I think it's clever, I, I like this, um, uh, it plays with uh, our expectations, and, and even if we don't have expectations at all, I mean, he still plays with us, you know, Ooh, is this a dark horror movie? And it turns out to be, not be, but it's still part of the movie. You know, it, uh, it's uh, definitely part of a fine structure that he starts like this. And uh, uh, and, and, and I love Gloria Yip in black as well. And he, he, one of the times where she does stare into the camera is really effective because she has this dark, empty stare at Lawrence Lau. You know, and all of this could be transferred into a horror scenario easily. Uh, and uh, and even and, and then at the, to cap that off, you know, Lawrence now finds when he goes into the apartment, he finds disgusting remains in the newspapers, which turn, which turns out to be cat intestines. And then stuff starts to be a bit light that it's not a horror plot going on here. No, it it turns more supernatural thriller mm-hmm. could say uh, I mean I, I'm surprised where it goes in the finale if you think about kind of how far the films come in terms of in terms of genres and what's gone before it is is kind of mind boggling but yeah, yeah I think you, you touched the point there with the intro it's I mean I think it, it's extremely well crafted um, it's 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 subtle and it's, it's kind of absorbing and it's played out very much like a new Afraid of the Dark episode you know, a, a, st- a storyteller kind of composing a tale of creepy looks, youthful curiosity, lack of, you know, people or, or life, a, a normal setting with abnormal events. And the, the camera, the casual camera work, instead of in the first 10 minutes of the film or so, when we get that reveal um, that you mentioned, instead of a massive zoom in and the music exploding, it's a quiet drop of the camera, create a little intrigue. Oh, what's going on? Then the music picks up kind of slowly then we have the reveal. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he's earned the reveal. Uh, now, as instead of throwing it at us without any build-up and go, look at this shit. It's like it's kind of like, ooh, what's going on? I might show you. I might not. Here you go. Have a look at this. Ah, you know, it's kind of it, signs of a veteran. Uh, <laughs> signs of a veteran director at work here. You know yeah, I mean? of course. I mean, you know, he's this far in his filmography, and this this happens a lot throughout the film. And I think there's a lot of. I think because he goes this way with the more kind of casual style, I think maybe for the first time in his filmography, there's actual unnerving moments, like a lot of them. There's not just horror, but there's actual tension. And the small reveal of, you know, what's lurking in the sewers, for instance, early on, it's like, you know, what the fuck's that? And he he doesn't kind of stay on it. It kind of like you show a little bit, you go, oh, what's going on here? And then it cuts away, and you're on to kind of, you know, Wisely's investigation. So it's, 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 yeah, I mean, the casual, you know, the way he directs this one, very casual, and I think it's a lot more effective in in, in every aspect mm-hmm. with the mix and, and what's going on with it. I was confused as to what Wisely's character, who he actually was, and I know he's kind of, you know, the famous Wisely, but he just goes, he just walks into police crime scenes like, yo guys, 
what's, what's going on? I, I mean, <laughs> let, let me check your corpse cell. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's. Uh, I mean, maybe that's set up enough, you know, sufficient setup, and then you move on. But, uh, but, but it's kind of undefined too, and I guess maybe fans of the characters um, in in writing, you know, maybe know a lot more of the subtleties that the movie doesn't convey or doesn't feel the need to convey. We're, we're illiterate, man. We need to get some books on the go. <laughs> I don't next, really... next episode, some maybe some Asian literature for your guys. <laughs> Showering Asians. <laughs> All right. The art of war. <laughs> Um, but 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 I really uh, I I like that uh, sewer scene a whole lot. You know the slime yeah. that zombifies a dead hobo, and and, and Nam has uh, you know the special effects are fantastic in that regard, and uh, he's got the horror vibe really down. You know it, it it's uh, so so much combined knowledge. It's disgusting in this film. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> it's the most. It's the most. It's kind of the most I've ever been. Kind of like clenching my teeth. Like oh, what's that? Like especially near the end where shit gets real. Um, you know, there's always been that in Nam's film. There's always been a bit like, um, oh man, that's, that's that's horrible, but it's awesome. In this, there were a lot more moments of, oh, what is that about? <laughs> like, and I had to almost kind of like look away and put my hand like, over the screen and go, oh, that's that's horrible. But it, again, that kind of adds to the film that it's it almost feels like it's fun film, but it almost feels there's danger there. Mm-hmm. It almost feels that like these guys, you know, might all get killed. This might not be kind of, um, you know. Uh, seventh curse rocket launcher you know bad guy getting fucked up it might go wrong mm-hmm. you know something might happen here um so yeah it's just very very effective i can't i can't really praise this film enough for being so you know differently made from his previous couple of films he really kind of got back into the saddle with this one and really mm. kind of got on his best it, it shows it, that it really shows that where that he has genre comfort in him, you know, and uh, knows how to. Well, when he's inspired, when he was inspired, that travels to an audience. I mean, look at Seventh Curse and and, and, and uh, the stuff in between. While great, you know, it seems like this is the mix for him, where he gets so almost giddy and yeah. manages to uh, translate that to an audience too. Yeah, this is this is this is kind of his home, and I think if you like Seventh Curse, you'd like this a lot as well because it's on the same level. But I think they they both work differently, whereas. Seventh Coast very rompy. This is more kind of, you know, thrillerish, you know, with kind of the same gore moments, but the gore works kind of differently. You get a bit of kind of crazy, silly stuff with flying cats. But yeah. <laughs> yes, well, let's talk about the cat for a while here. Uh, uh, not not that scene yet, but uh, uh, the the first signs of some uh, V scene of this movie. Uh, the uh, the scene at the museum uh, is uh, so. There's a good sign here of uh, the command uh, Namacho has over the special effects and the special effects team because the, the cat breaks through a glass cage at, at a museum where where they they have to get this octagon, which is a tool that is to be used. Um, to battle the 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 not not fully formed enemy space alien it's mutating it's on its way to mutate you know yeah, f- it's... fully it's uh and, and that, that might be unclear to some viewers but it, essentially it's that uh, it's it's slime and it's going Probably. to be more slime at the end of the film you know <laughs> and that's yeah, its it goal kind of, it, grow, it grows and grows and obviously it's always consuming kind of kind of people and for for people who we're expecting Chuck Norris in this film. It's not Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris is octagon. It's a different type of octagon. 
Okay. Oh, well, few. <laughs> few. few. I was afraid myself that I was talking about that. expecting Chuck Norris to kick the shit out of Wisely. That doesn't happen. All right. I was kind of disappointed. They were saying, oh, the Octagon. We need to get to the Octagon. You better not because Chuck Norris is there. He's going to kick your ass. He wasn't there. But still, I had a good time in this film. That shows how good this film is. I was expecting <laughs> Chuck Norris. I got this film and I wasn't disappointed. All right. Watch the shit. Watch it. All right. The whole, end the, of the show. End of the show. All right. The, watch the film. The stop, Ken. Oh, no, no, I can't stop and I never will. I'm done. <laughs> I'm doing. Let's go, guys. I do it by myself. <laughs> but the, the hobo almost looks like Chuck Norris, kind of. The zombified <laughs> hobo. Almost. Oh my god. That, yeah. Chuck Norris, this is how low Chuck Norris had stoop at this point in his career. He played a dead hobo. All right. <laughs> well, uh, for, for a fantastic. Yeah, for a fantastic. Yeah. A uh, few pieces of celluloid, uh, obviously, as uh, some of the scarier moments involves uh, the hobo. We won't reveal, uh, reveal too much, but uh, it shows that the movie has one hand and foot in horror, if you will, one hand and foot in sci-fi, and it's gloriously combined. And, and uh, I, I love the sight of when, when we get the sight of uh, the slime, which is, you know, if if anything, that that big slime that consumes and, and infests, you know, entire environments. If anything, that is akin to the thing. And, and 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 this movie has a lot of sci-fi movie references really i mean it's pretty clear that we got the thing working here we got the blob working here you oh, even yeah, got yeah, ghostbusters yeah. 2 in here to some degree and i'll, I'll, I'll explain what why if I, you don't... I was gonna say i didn't see that Ken. i'm curious to hear yeah, this. yeah we'll get to that towards <laughs> the end obviously body snatches to a degree also yeah as well yeah i, I took the blob from it from it the most kind of the way that was was kind of oozy and a lot of the, the, the cool miniature shots Reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of kind of the way that the blob the blob works and the way the blob shot. But yeah, I mean it it, it takes it, it kind of picks and chooses, but without being so blatant that it kind of you know hits you on the head as like oh god I remember that. I kind of just thought oh yeah I, I remember that. But it it works on its own own merits I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's certainly not Chewie and Pink style homage here where entire scenes scenes are lifted from other movies and put in <laughs> put in this movie. No, not at all. And, and and this is still relatively early in the movie, this museum sequence, and it shows that Nam Night Cho is not messing around, and but he's not delivering all that he can deliver early. You know what I mean? He's not, you know, he's not blowing his wad early. You know? What no, I mean? no, there was uh, no, there's no wad blowing. No, in this, no. only only pre come. <laughs> yeah, that was in my notes, and I wanted that out. That was so. in your notes. That was. Oh, oh god! You, okay. you, you know, you know, I write that stuff down. <laughs> you know, I wrote that. But oh. uh, okay, going back to the cat, uh, the actual catch. Uh, the animal direction is pretty goddamn phenomenal. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe it took a lot to get what. Uh, on, is on screen here, but you know, to take for instance uh, the scene where Wisely is hiding in the apartment of uh, Gloria Gibson, the Laos human, and, and the cat he, he shoots the cat entering the room and kind of scanning the room too, uh, and that you know might have taken a while to get, but it looks pretty goddamn phenomenal, and and that cat is uh, on. <laughs> <You know. laughs> that cat, that cat brought his A game to oh, this picture. Boy, though. did he ever! You know, in <laughs> special effects or not, you know. he came correct. He had a shower. Was he? Made sure his fur was looking fucking phenomenal for this <laughs> for this film. But I do agree. I do agree, Ken. The way they manipulate the cat is is crazy. And I don't. And I mean, 
people who like cats might be concerned. But I don't like cats, so I thought, go for it, guys. I don't know. I like dogs more, so I was more concerned can, with the dog. What they, I prefer giraffes. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not going down this, this route here. The giraffe, and I'm not sure if it... Yeah, the, the animal manipula- manipula- manipulation is, is crazy. I don't, I don't want to talk about the main scene yet. C versus D. That's just a little. No, teaser. no, no. We got the pornographic section to talk about we first. Got, uh, we, why, yeah, wisely and Christine mm, as a man and wife. So, so describe uh, their home life. You know, uh, wisely and uh, Christine. Mm. If you've heard the song Jay Z, Big Pimpin, yeah, I'd imagine that, and then imagine wisely in the back somewhere, the video, just dancing around somewhere. Like, like, you know, shaking his shoulders, really getting into it, because that's how it, that's the life he lives. This guy gets up at half seven in the morning, <laughs> goes out to his pool, you know, his nice little pool, his, his, his kind of terrace he's got there, nice little kind of you know, table situation. Champers, on ice, <laughs> where it came from. Breakfast. No it's just there, that's breakfast, son. Lobsters, yeah, I'll have that, please. He's got a fucking mini TV. <laughs> that's was that even made then? Early I, I think so. I think so. It's 1991, 92, presumably. Shit that shit's not real now, though, Ken. No. Are people got mini TVs? Does that a portable TV, mini TV? Is that real? What's what? Well, it's a, it's a sci-fi movie, partly, so maybe... It's... Oh, of course, yeah. It was from, yeah it was from... Maybe it's not actual 92 technology. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, he does that. He's chilling outside... You know, he's having a nice little breakfast. You know, his wife comes in in his own clothes. You know, all sweaty, and then he's, you know, he's, he's feeling her up, and that's 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 wisely. That's the life he leads. It, on the downside, he's got to fight monsters. Yeah, you know, yeah, he favors the it, mystery uh, it, before his wife. Roundabouts. All right, Ken. One day you could be outside sipping on champers with with you know a sweaty lady, and then two seconds later, you're fighting a cat that's deranged. You know, uh, I w- I would I want to be wisely. I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking about it in one scene, and the next scene, I thought I don't want to be fighting a cat. Sorry. It's wisely. um. Wh- wh- what did you think of the way he shot that scene where that those almost pornographic <laughs> shots of her sweaty arms and armpit and uh, you know he literally shoots her armpit, kind of you know from from the side, but still like what is this? Is this a porno going on now? <laughs> That was a bit of a right ghost story through into there. I mean, yeah, that shit was hard. Or like the producer, like saying, do, do, do it. I have a fantasy about shooting like sweaty ladies. Yeah, it's like, it's like a dare. It was like, do it, wise, do it, wise. I mean, and the thing is, you know, wisely shows that, you know, he just he throws his wife into the swim pool to get rid of her when he wants to go investigate. <laughs> That's horrible. Which is a great idea. Next time I want to go out and have five minutes to myself, get a pint of milk from the shop, I'm just going to throw my missus into the sink straight into the washing up and just get the fuck out of there cheers wisey for the tip honestly if you don't want to deal with your your kind of you know your beloved other throw them in water i mean that's how they treat gremlins why not your wife and it's only half past seven in the morning yep (laughs) all that shit's already happened all right he's still got ashes to to smell you know and and monsters to have a look at and, you know, walking in on crime scenes and touching everything with his dirty hands. You know, they haven't even got fingerprints yet, and Wisely's there, you know, putting his fishy fingers on, <laughs> on, on everything. 
But before he has to uh, fight the cat, he has to get a dog. And uh, we get uh, Knife Wong's cameo here as uh, he, he, he has a lot of dogs and uh, apparently a super dog, uh, Knife Wong's character. Uh, so we get introduced to Lao Po, which <laughs> he bursts through a, a little wall of some kind and it's a fake dog head. <laughs> it, it looks amazing. Though. I love it. I love, yeah, I know. I love the fake dog so much. And, and when they use it in... Um... The, the, the stop motion scenes, it just looks so fucking deranged. <laughs> it looks like he's got rabies. It's, it's, oh man, that's a killer dog. That's a killer dog. And, and uh, within all this, Philip Quark, he plays a character that's a friend of Wisely, so he's there and, uh, and, uh, getting to see the dog and all of that. And, and then a kind of scary sequence happens because, um, uh, all of, uh, Kwok Choi and his uh, his gang of, co- gang of cops stumble onto the big slimy tentacle thing, and they're all taken over in in a very scary sequence when they're all surrounded, and yeah. they're slow, and that slime takes over the room obviously, and uh, bit by one by one they fall victim to the slime because essentially when they touch it they're they're fucked, uh, yeah. and the most scary scene here is one of the cops fall falls into it, the slime. And the other cop drags him out of it, and his face has melted, and he's partly still in the slime. And he's drag, you know what I mean? He's dragging his face, uh, his all rubbery, ripping his face off. Yeah, tearing it away as as he kind of gets pulled off. Yeah, what a massively cool sequence this is! It's the the amount of kind of work they had to put into kind of decorating that one room with all the fucking you know the monster and the tentacles everywhere and the slime. It's just. It's crazy, and and it, 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 it's it's a it's a tense scene. Like slowly, one by one, Quark's kind of you know the, the the characters apart from him get picked off. Each mm. one gets sucked in. One tries to escape and gets sucked back, and then him finally gets kind of absorbed himself in a in a really gruesome kind of moment where he just he literally gets torn apart. Mm-hmm. It's very kind of Hellraiser esque. Mm. <laughs> that scene with the and way a, and a bit of body snatches as well because we see the slime actually enter his mouth at the very end of the scene and, uh... you got Tsukidoji I think yeah <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you got Tsukidoji to up man like I mean that was mouth rape and that's not that's not nice <laughs> I, I was concerned <laughs> that, that was a PSA from Tom KW that's not nice <laughs> mouth rape's not good guys one thing that isn't uh, good either to do but maybe they were kind of s- stuck with it is uh, yeah you got to keep a consistency when it comes to co- continuity. But uh, one thing that isn't uh, consistent in the film is uh, Philip Quark's hair. It gets noticeably different uh, throughout the film. Uh, you know, it's pretty much the same throughout, almost throughout the film. But when he meets the gun dealers, when he's possessed, his hair is way different. <laughs> and when you're possessed, you have to go out and get a haircut. I I'm suppose not... so. Come, come on. I know, I know. I, I, I can roll with it. I can roll with it. I just wonder if you uh, like noticed that uh, it comes and goes. I, I didn't notice that, but that's probably my favorite scene in the movie when he goes to the, the gun dealers. That is fucking awesome. Uh, Philip Quap in, in Terminator mode. Uh, uh, asking for all the kind of the weapons, different weapons. Uh, and just completely rips out his guy. Say, I think he says he's going like, to get his mom or something. Yeah. They start kind of just shooting at him and he just soaking it all up. I was expecting him to do the mask and kind of throw all the bullets out his mouth. That didn't happen though, mm. but it still w- was awesome. Um, and with blood, uh, blue squibs as well, which is... Squibs, uh, yeah, yeah, which is which is kind of uh, different, but effective. Obviously, yeah, I mean, obviously it, it gets the... You know straight away, like as soon as the, the first few slugs hit him, that this guy is invincible now. 
and shit's shit's gonna go. And and, and Quark Choi will sell that Terminator skit aura easily. Oh, yeah, just in his face and, and the way he is and his kind of build and he's just you know, you don't mess with that guy. And that's yeah, that's just an awesome awesome scene. I I love that. They, they, there's some actual brutality here. There's a hand that shot to pieces, you know, in close up, you know, and that that's a gore moment, not a goo moment, but a proper gore moment. It's like whoa. <laughs> Would look that, great in 3D. You know and what I mean? he, has the, he has he has the the cool guy the cool guy uh, doesn't look at explosions um, moment yeah, where yeah. the grenade in the mouth turn around and he's still in that little he's shed. He's still in and... the room. He doesn't yeah, yeah. care. <laughs> he's still in the room. I'm an alien and I don't care. <laughs> does that? He does that a few times as well. He just he just walks with fire. Yeah. He, does, he doesn't care. Uh, okay, let, let's transition a little bit into animal fighting, but here. Before you get before you get uh, worried, worried. <laughs> well, hopefully not excited, but worried. Uh, there's staged non-harmful animal fighting in this movie. The animals seemingly got through it all right. Uh, we we got a little bit of um, a, a kick-ass uh, fighting scene between the dog and the cat in the museum, but when they go out on their own and hit the junkyard, <laughs> they go out. Shit is. On. Oh, oh! By the way, before we go into that, uh, uh, the cat jumps out of uh, a window in a museum, and you see the outline of the cat. Oh, God, Bruce Lee I, I just wish that that was a fuck you to the big boss. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I just wish it was like that's fucking stupid. We're doing it, and we're and we're saying fuck you. Fuck you, that way. I think that's 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 that's, that's the bloody how many times in a week that we just the way just yeah we don't like you. <laughs> but 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 okay. Uh, the floor is yours. What do you want to say about uh, the oh, the soup the super dog versus alien cat fight again? Animals seemingly didn't take a beating or a pounding and lived it, through this. It's obviously not you know a, a, it's a Hong Kong film production, so they might be a bit rougher. They might you know I don't think they they can they kind of got you know massively hurt, but they might be a bit rougher. But I think it was worth it to see this awesome scene. Of alien cat versus dog, massive dog. I mean, what what is there to say? I mean, it's just it's wild. I genuinely think Nam scripted it to be a fight with a human, like you know, cat versus wisely. But thought, you know what, that looks stupid. Get a dog in there. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a combination of you got real animals, stop motion, which looks awesome, uh, and then what must be stuffed animals or puppets. Oh sure. For because for, there's some scenes where they kind of get you know there's a bit there's, they get thrown around a bit but it's so creative and at the same time just kind of balmy. I mean, some of it is hilarious. Like when the cat's reaching out for the gas switch, yeah. stretching out paw, like oh I can't reach. <laughs> and then when uh, when the cat body slams the dog, yes. like, I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> it, I mean, it looks like they're both real animals used there. I don't know how that was achieved. I mean, it, I have no idea. It must be like wires and camera trickery I don't, I don't know but it looks like both animals have somehow been put together that it looks like the cat's body slamming the dog and they're both real uh, I don't know it's Can't. absolutely I, I don't know I, how don't, put, know. I don't know how they pull this off they, <laughs> well, for, first of all we deal with a director who knows special effects really well and yep. worked with a crew they must have shot listed this very carefully. Oh, God. They, they, you, you can't they, make this up on the spot. No, 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 fuck no, was, they can't do that. <laughs> there was no let's just film this shit. This, this was thought out because some of it and the way that the way that the cat actually uses the joint. 
<laughs> actually uses the junkyard to his advantage. Yes. Um, by, you know, stepping around, he, he pulls out, you know, the car kind of pulls out at one point and uses kind of like electric, um, like a, like a, like a, like a, 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 a charger. A, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll call it electric box. Yeah. Um, to his advantage. It's just, <laughs> it's just absolutely awesome. Um, and I just, I just, I can't believe you, you're kind of, you're kind of gasping at how kind of hilarious it is, and you're gasping at kind of how well thought out and how creative it is as well. And mm-hmm. this was thought out, and this, I mean, this, to be honest, if you think about now, this is probably kind of like the crown, the jewel in his crown. Oh uh, yes, yes, yes. To the level of kind of what Nam was building up and what he was kind of showing all his films, and go, do you know what? I could do this. I could do this. This is it, really. It was kind of building up to this. This is kind of, this is kind of like. You know the sum the, the sum up of, of kind of his whole career is like this count versus his dog fight because that is what Nam was all about and that's what his films were about. You know the perfect example of absolute creativeness and just well thought out and kind of you know all all the cogs moving at the same time and at the same time just going what the fuck is going on? What am I watching? I don't know. And, and that... it, it is a clear action sequence, though. I mean, there, there is some tight editing here and there, but you know what's going on, so it's not like it's confusing. Yeah. It's very it, clear. It, you, need, you need to tight edit in some points because you're not going to shoot, you know, a whole dog sometimes when, you know, the dog's not, you know, cooperating. You're going to have to show little bits and pieces. But the long shots that there are... Um, I, I mean, I, I'm with, the run, how, with them I'm running trying, and stuff like that. I mean, it looks... yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised how well you know the animals are trained. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, the the scene that was kind of a bit distressing. I was like, shit, that looks a bit dodge. Um, it's when the the when the cat gets, he's in the trunk, and then wisely kind of shuts him in the trunk. It, that's the only thing I think the animals didn't fare well in that scene. It look it, it doesn't look like a puppet. Uh, the thing was that the thing was I saw that and it kind of it kind of made me a bit oh what's going on there. But then wisely picks up the dismembered cat's tail, which comes off. He's looking at it intently and it looks like he's thinking, oh you know this this might make a good bookmark. So that <laughs> me put all my many books in my <laughs> part of me I just took a sip of drink <laughs> where, my, where my furniture is just made of books I have no furniture but books um, th- that made me feel better but then I thought about the cat again and I got sad a bit it so. looked a bit uh, you know <laughs> they, they, nah, yeah, that, that's the only only piece of the scene that kind of looked um, bad from the filmmaker's perspective you know they did so well they didn't have to uh, they didn't have to uh, slam, slam the, tr- uh, the trunk on the cat's tail but um, yeah but, uh, uh, yeah, but what are you going to do? I was a bit sad, but then I thought, you know, the, the cat's name is actually the Colonel. Yes. So I, I bet his name's Colonel Meow. <laughs> okay. Okay. There you go. Just a little, little joke there for you, Ken. <laughs> I didn't get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt, Colonel, Colonel Meow? General, oh, uh, oh, okay. There we go. Don't political on me. What are you doing? Oh, I was nearly there. I was nearly now with that. Man. You're fired. Yeah, that's that's not <laughs> yeah, General Mao, Colonel Mao. He's his he's his American brother. Well, well as long as you felt better, that's I, all that counts. I, I felt good. Yeah, so that's that's fine. Well, one of the best uh, reaction shots by the animals in this scene uh, are 
Oh, fantastic. I, I again, might have taken 50 takes to get, but the, the dog is actually sliced and uh, his neck or whatever, it, it, it doesn't die. But the take with the real dog shows him starting uh, looking back on his wound uh, and kind yeah. of uh, kind of howling and, uh, and, and making yelp sounds or whatever. And then look at the camera or look straight forward and bark, you know. Uh, I thought that was great because it, it really was what happened, you know. He, ha- he has to look back in pain and then probably, you know, bark at the cat or whatever. That's not easy to necessarily just direct in one take and then, you know, cut the paint, moving on. It, no, it, it looks like at some point there might have been kind of fishing wire used. And I don't mean like hooks, hooks and everything. <laughs> no, 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 oh my maybe God. Maybe no. like little, you know, bits of wire to kind of tug at, at the cat or t- tug at the dog a bit or get their attention. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems like it, but it, it looks kind of, you know, perfect. It looked, yeah, I mean, that's another great example of, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't just they had to create this really awesome scene and, choreograph it and film it well it was also they had to get some you know bang on training with the the, the cat and the dog oh yeah because yeah. you know they, they couldn't they, it's not just like you can get a cat and just throw it and <laughs> just start filming it it's like you know you gotta you gotta train this cat so i don't know i mean obviously with you know with, with hong kong films sometimes it, it's hard to kind of track down credits or you know see certain kind of exactly what people did but mm-hmm. i mean i i haven't found anything like oh thanks to so-and-so for helping out with the dogs or or, or you know cat and dog trained by so-and-so so i've no idea who who trained it but obviously mm-hmm. they did a bang-up job and it works yeah, yeah yeah obviously every kind of uh, uh profession is uh is there in hong kong you know what i mean so i'm sure they didn't need to source you know uh, Western uh, Western animal trainers or anything, so I'm sure there was uh, so to say local talents there. But regardless of who, who they were, you know, fantastic job, and 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 it's not over there <laughs> either. You know, it, it's, go, it's going to go on. Uh, I can, I can ca- imagine him uh, Nam saying, "Yeah, I want I want the um, Turner and Ooch. That was a good film. Whoever <laughs> get get the trainer off that form." <laughs> <laughs> Well, this dog has his uh, saliva more in control, that's for sure. Oh, God, definitely. He, <laughs> he was saliva-less. Yes. He was dry. He was a dry dog. Very dry. <laughs> uh, characters <laughs> kind of disappear in this movie, but that's okay. Uh, Lawrence Lau's character disappears after the first uh, reel, after discovering the cat and all of that, Fatty. Uh, the gang of possessed cops disappear because... All we see after that whole infestation sequence yeah. is Philip Quark, but one man army Quark is terrifying enough because he yeah, can carry I, 100 guns. I felt that was probably a bit wasted, really. I think I, when I saw that scene initially, because it says it's confusing as to who's saying what to who about getting the weapons, because no one's moving their mouth. Did, did, did you get, did you see that as well? It's, it's like they're saying you need to get the guns. And no one's saying it like it's either someone's kind of telepath- te- telepathically saying it to Phil mm-hmm. or the other way around. And I thought it might have been this cool kind of, they kind of go, you know, rampage. The kind of, you know, the rampage kind of like, you know, on a, on a city or, you know, something like that. And it's kind of like, you know, why is he has to come and stop them? Mm-hmm. Like that. That's what I initially thought. I thought it was kind of wasted. But saying that, once everything started kicking off with, with Phil, I didn't even think of that no 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 it's, that's, uh, that's enough for anyone oh yeah i mean uh, <laughs> he, he is uh, he is um uh, you know into this movie he's game for game for this role and uh, i haven't seen a suiting up sequence like uh, this one not even arnold in commando i think carried as many guns as uh, this one as philip quark does <laughs> in this one because he like loads up with at least 50 
50 weapons and hand grenades and what have you before attacking Wisely's home. Obviously, he's possessed at this point by the alien and he wants uh, he wants the cat and uh, the aliens and take them out. And, uh, and, and uh, boy, does he ever, you know, Philip Cork is also good to the extent that uh, he can fire automatic weapons and, and uh, not blink. Yeah. And, and that is a skill because your natural instinct yeah. is to blink when you because we, we have a slow motion sequence where he fires off shotgun shells you know 10, 12 yeah. and he doesn't blink the motherfucker no. doesn't blink no cold blooded he knows what he's doing and um, yeah I don't know what do you want to say about this whole sequence the attack of uh, the attack of Wisely's house because uh, there are some uh, scary moments here uh, involving uh, well mainly Philip Cork uh, the actor and performer here. um there's I mean, there is he's obviously he's in full kind of Terminator mode. The the bit the bit that made me go, oh yeah, was when okay, so he's, he's attacking Wisey's house. Wisey throws some you know Molotov cocktails out there, firewall. He doesn't care, straight through the fire. And then there's an awesome bit where he throws a gas tank at, at, at Philip Quark, and then he just leaps up, <laughs> kicks it back in his face, and then shoots <laughs> it to blow it up. Yes, fucking awesome. I was just like, oh yeah, and it looked like Wisey was very close to it as well. That's the that's the one thing about so because of like the kind of the way they're playing, which is kind of like you know the house and then like a, a swimming pool kind of area outside. Everything seems to be very up close at mm-hmm. first. You can't you can't fake with distance when you've got kind of like you know the, the doors of the house, you've got the swimming pool, and then you've got you know a fucking fifty foot drop below it because obviously that's how he makes his descent. Uh, ascent into Wisely's house he's climbing up that mountain so before he even starts blowing up shit he does a bit of rock climbing <laughs> and then he gets into Wisely's house and yeah you can't fake the kind of the fire stunts as well oh it looks uh, terrifying obviously he's slimed hard. up but Philip Cork does his own fire stunt in this one he's, um, he walks straight through the one thing I didn't get was why, why the old guy set himself on fire no idea still why that happened Sorry, I don't, not, I don't know. Why would you not just throw yourself on, risk the chance of you getting burned, rather than just burn yourself and then do it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't he, know what. Well, he was a bit. Uh, he was a bit eccentric as uh, in, human in human form. In human form, loves He had human. a bit too much to drink. <laughs> he decided to set himself on fire on the roof and throw himself off. But that whole scene is just. That's when it turns. We get into thriller mode. Then mm-hmm. bad a horror, sci-fi kind of chilling kind of moments. You know, once he gets his Terminator mode, Philip Quark, then we get kind of this these thrillerish kind of chase elements, um, and the assault on Wise's house. Is just, yes, it's absolutely awesome. I mean, they just at one point they just felt like they were shooting books just to, just to laugh at it. Yeah. Just just the hell of it. They start shooting the shit out of books. Um, that whole thing again. Yeah, probably one of my favorite moments in the film. It's just it's absolutely awesome. It's just unstoppable. And, uh, and from we, there, like we 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 won't spoil. Uh, too much more, uh, but but what but, but what I want to say is that that big the thing like infestation, you know, uh, it, uh, the the ending has a lot more of it, and it, it's it's um, the um, I guess the size of it is increased, and 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 Nam Nam Choi tops himself, you know, from sequence to sequence using sequence using this. Oh, it's definitely uh, builds up. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty you know in the tradition of that the ending needs to be bigger. It it definitely is, and I think it. But yeah. but but then again, the entire movie kind of fires on all cylinders. I I think uh, the frequency is kind of even. You know what I mean? It's not like we get a little sequence first, 
then slightly bigger, slightly bigger. We we get a little sequence first, maybe, and then big and big, yeah. and they're all kind of still big, and they're very. It's very well um, executed, you know. Uh, paced as and, well, very and, well paced. Mm. I, I mean, uh, that big infestation uh, slime, you know, it goes through walls. It sets stuntmen <laughs> on fire, and. Uh, <laughs> And, and and here's the Ghostbusters 2 reference that that uh, building that they're in uh, at the end it's it's covered in uh, slime. Ah, of course, yeah. There's no so... statue of either. <laughs> no, fortunately not. I mean, uh, and, and 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 Philip Quark, you know, is in is not only you know physically doing all of this, but he's obviously part of the special effects a whole lot and the separately shot special effects and and it might. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to be vague. I'm, I'm not going to explain the context, but it probably was very silly uh, being covered in slime, or rather being covered in poop, it looks like. It looks uh, like shit, yeah. But when combined with the elements, that uh, the live-action elements with Wisely and Gloria Yip, and the context of the ending, you know, it looks pretty goddamn great as that monster grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And in the middle, we get Philip Quark, White, uh, white-faced uh, uh, Philip Quark, you know, covered in poop, but mega scary and mega big. <laughs> mega big, yeah. It's, I, I love the kind of the. Um, it's obviously it's got, it look it's minute miniature shots, but kind of, you know, placed onto the into the same frame as the main yeah. characters. But it's it's very effective. There's some great um, map paintings in this, like the yes. laboratory, the laboratory telescope lookout it's just awesome just just really well done there's the shot as wisely looks on the flight of stairs um yeah, and ghostbusters again <laughs> yeah 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 but it's a really cool you know matt Payne again they, they had the talent on this film there was talent there wasn't there wasn't one area where it goes you know what let's focus on the gore let's make you know let's forget about the area bit they all go you know i said full cylinders on everything like everything's kind of perfect i never get taken out of the film as well, I never go. Oh, it looks a bit dodgy. It, it just it all kind of, you know, flows together just e- extremely well. And as you said, it's very reminiscent of the the blob with um, some of the awesome kind of miniature shots of just, you know, it looks like someone's taking a turd and kind of trying to put it through a window, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put it through a small hole. Um, six minutes of uh, credits plus highlight montage. Yeah, I was gonna say, what's that about? Uh, Did the credits actually stop. Exactly, uh, but you know what? This movie deserves that. <laughs> I want to see it again <laughs> because it's eighty nine, seventy nine minutes credits uh, for two minutes maybe, and then the rest is just highlight footage from the movie. Four minutes of it, and to to get it up to eighty, to get it up to eighty five. Uh, yeah, you know, stay if you like. I I always stay because I like to see the movie condensed into short form too You're like that happened that happened that happened that happened oh did that happen yeah yeah, well, yeah I mean obviously if you were in the cinema kind of you know back in the day it, it would have been class to kind of just take in we're just just kind of refresh you on everything you just saw so you could go and tell your mates I just seen the cat it's fucking insane go, mm. go and see it it's got this it's got this it's got this but yeah I mean this just it comes to that perfect time in, in Hong Kong cinema where things were, were done just, just for entertainment and things were done because they wanted you, you know, they wanted people to see the films. They said, you know, we got this. They just had so much to offer, you know what I mean? They, we had this, we got this, we got this going on. It's, and that's just the perfect kind of reminder of, of, of all the awesome stuff that was in the film. And it's just like, yeah, come back and see it again. Tell your friends to come and see it because there's all this kind of cool shit in it. It's just... And yet so few 
people did it like Nam Night Choi. I mean, the closest equivalent, I, I guess I can come up with is Choi Hawk to, an, to a degree. But yeah, because it, it's Never still... with Gore, though, was it really? No, with, with really. Choi's, you know, I, I think the fantastical elements, yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, it, it's he's, he's not in a genre that's kind of overwhelmed with directors working on these type of films at that time just you don't get this uh, you know i i almost think like i was thinking i was thinking today um i almost felt this is what i do in, in my work time um <laughs> i was almost thinking i was thinking like kind of daydreaming that if he would have stayed on judging by the merits of this film i think he would have been making some of the best hong kong cinema ever if you think kind of bio zombie came out around the mid 90s and that feels almost like an film. Eight, but okay yeah, still yeah was it that early? Okay, well, uh, I mean, that yeah, late? Maybe, oh, okay, maybe 97 or 98, but regardless, okay. Yeah, either, or... yeah either, either way, but you know, that almost feels like an unnatural film with the kind of the gore and the kind of the, the silly kind of the silliness to it. I feel like if he'd, if he'd given more chance, because I mean, the cat is like, I think it's his first really well-made overall film. He's got well-made parts in certain films. His films are fun, but I think it's his overall kind of from bottom, top to bottom, well-made film, and I feel like if he'd gone on to create more films, I think you know, in the mid '90s he must he might have been making some really well, you know, very different from the time films. And I feel like it was a shame that he had to you know cut off so early. And, and, and for what reason we don't know. What really, don't I, know. I only it's, heard it's, that he uh, emigrated to Australia, uh, possibly. Because he didn't want to be around in Hong Kong in 1997, but uh, yeah, but, but who knows? Home away, But but no one really knows. This as well. Hmm? We get 1990, 1997 fear, yeah. a couple of times in this again. So I mean, yeah, it seems like he might have been concerned about what state Hong Kong was going to be in and wanted to get the fuck out of there. But I mean, still, it's very early for him to go. I mean, he might, he could have made a cheeky little film in 1995 and then got out of there and mm, yeah. I, would have, I would have liked to have seen that film but but maybe just didn't have any creative juice left uh, in him possibly either and, uh, or, or couldn't get any project off the ground either we, we never know it, it, you know, it might have been a struggle to get projects off the ground um, despite having a rep in the industry but mm, uh, I mean, it was a, you were going you were heading into a poor time of cinema really weren't you kind of the you know late 90s so i mean it's still very early but it definitely that was on the trajectory of you mean it had some glory days mid 90s but it was on the trajectory where everyone was concerned about 1997 and then when it hit you know the film's kind of you know post handover the it, it's taken a bit for the films to get back on track so you, you know possibly it might have been for the better that he kind of stopped but i, I would be curious to see what he would make, kind of with maybe you know possibly slightly better special effects mm-hmm. and you know a better budget. You know, I think he could have made some really really great films. Hopefully, a guy that if he would have made movies all throughout the CGI revol- uh, revolution and all that, a guy that would have maintained a, fa- uh, a stance that uh, it's uh, it's physical first, CG if only necessary. Agree. Yeah. I mean, yeah, hopefully, yeah. that's a great. Yeah, I mean, that's a great stance to take. But I, and, and I think, yeah, I would have liked to. to if he did, I think he. he, he I think he would have. I, mm-hmm. I, I think he would have. I think that's where his, his heart lies and his his um, his strength. We, we, we're talking like him, like he's dead. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. maybe he is. I don't know. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the time, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would, I would have liked to see kind of what went on with him. Nam, if you're listening, just come back home. 
And come and talk to us at least about your movies. <laughs> I'd, I'd love it. I'd love it. And and you know, I, I still watch you know Home and Away, hoping to to see you. And you're not there. <laughs> uh, some minor notes before we go into a summary of uh, oh, all of this oh. series and kind of uh, more, a little bit more on the Nam uh, Nam summary, if you will. Uh, but but first of all, uh, it's a curious thing. I've heard some vague uh, report about when Nai Fong made cameos in his movies. He for some reason, got to or wanted to or demanded to to have them sh- uh, shot in sync sound. Um, you get that in Seventh Curse; it opens yeah. in sync sound. And yeah. and in his first scene here, he has two. It doesn't sound like it sounds like live dialogue. But the scene in the hospital where they're patching up his uh, dog, it, he's definitely in sync sound. The yeah. doctor is in sync sound. Wisely, is not. Yeah, it is. It, um... So so it makes it so. Because because the the way he's recorded, obviously there's a lot of kind of outside sound as well, and it's the cut's quite jarring when when why is he speaking to him? Kind of perfect, and then you know the silence, and then he speaks to him, and then it's like kind of car horns and dogs in the background. It's strange. I, I don't know why. I've heard you know, something vague about this, like, about, and it's true in the case of two movies at least. I don't know if any. Yeah. I don't know if any other cameos of hand by an iPhone. No. So, um, yeah, it's it's weird, but it's all all part of the charm, I suppose. Uh, another charming thing is uh, I've never seen a cast register uh, explode when it hits explode. when it hits the ground. <laughs> Shit's got TNT in it. <laughs> I think it was because the 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 villain, like the monster, touched it because obviously he turns shit flames. That's what I guessed. Okay, I it just looked so. Yeah, yeah, I didn't look like interact- yeah, boom, <laughs> money goes up in flame. Um, the other weird thing was how did um, why did Philip Clark have to scale some rocks to get to Wise's house, but the um, Glory Yip's character just kind of turned the corner into his house? They're in the house, and all of a sudden they're in the room. What happened there? Aliens. Hey, oh, of course, aliens. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I explain everything. Yeah. Tom, you know why isn't this done? Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, get dressed, aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up, aliens. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> aliens. Uh, I don't want to go to school. <laughs> uh, a little bit on availability. It's been on various formats throughout the years. Uh, VCD, Laserdisc. Uh, I first got it on a mainland DVD by the label WA. Or Wah. Uh, it, 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 Wah was funny because they remixed their Mandarin tracks into 5.1, but it always came out as... Uh, it was all echoey. It sounded like it was there recorded in a huge theater. Uh, very strange. But if you were a bit savvy uh, with uh, DVD offering, you can you could actually extract the mono channel in, in the five point one, and there was the untouched. In this case, Mandarin dub the mono track, obviously. <laughs> I don't, strange. They did it across every every one of their releases in WA, but it did get a release on DVD by Delta Mac, which is the one I own. It also was released by Joy Sales in their Legendary Collection. That might be a bit hard to find because the Legendary Collection is not printed anymore. But do your best in searching the usual retail sites, uh, DDD House, uh, Jess Asia, used copies. And if worse comes to worst, I'm sure there's torrents out there of the cat of either Joy Sales version or the Delta Mac version. Like most Hong Kong DVDs, out of print within seconds. 
Seconds, maybe. <laughs> I mean, they were around for like a year or two, Joy says in their legendary collection, but it's uh, been out of the circulation for quite a while now. Yep. Uh, I mean, my summary uh, in all of this, uh, we, we've talked about this, but I thought I might gather like a point of or two. Uh, again here the summary for Nam Night Joy in the series to an extent I guess I feel that the right movies i.e. the ones I like the most by Nam Night Joy are overlooked I feel that the movies I like the least are way too looked at (laughs) (laughs) but but, okay Seventh Curse is liked Story of Ricky is the most known, but that's not his best movie by a long shot. No, uh, f- f- way down the list. It's not bad, but it's not up there. Uh, but but okay, any any good director would love to have his or hers, you know, movie or several movies to be uh, mentioned to be mentioned as reference movies. You know, you, you got to check this out by this director or check this out. Period. That that's fine. But I hope, on a personal note, that now my choice name has grown a little bit. Um, you know, in the eyes of the Asian cinema community that listens to this show, uh, and all we can do to sort of spread the name, which I we wanted, uh, that was the reason for the series. All all we can do is like acknowledge as you know intensely as we can this versatile talent, and uh, and I hope it has created a little ripple effect uh, that has connected movies to the name finally. Mm. That's um, the main, yeah. That was the main key. I think was was putting his name to these films that are just overlooked. And, and really, let us know if the series, the yeah. series had an effect on you, listeners. If the name uh, grew into something you you began to attach to several movies that that you finally like, Men from the Gutter. You you finally kind of saying Nam Night Choice, Men from the Gutter, or Nam Night Choice, Story Freaky. If it that if that has helped helped you along in any way, or uh, but. Uh, you know he may be known for gore and 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 rightly so one one of your movies is globally known you know it it's story of Rick and it's very gory but uh when adding the whole filmography up although we couldn't uh, see one of his movies free studios go undercover his comedy still on the hunt still, still on the hunt, the hunt. <laughs> uh, but but regardless Namnacho understood tough violence he but he loved really B movie access and sci-fi more in my mind and uh, he could yep. extend his fandom to more than bearable celluloid even excellent celluloid energetic and fun and and we should really go back and thank Shaw Brothers and a director like Sun Chung for employing the cinematographer so often because he was a cinematographer first at Shaw Brothers then he turned director we, we, we gotta thank I guess Shaw Brothers and Sun Chung for creating a foundation and, and someone for you know, making sure that Nam Night Choi got to be in the director's chair and clearly loving it uh, most of the times. You know, we we could see when his heart wasn't in there, but when his heart was there, I I I can't think of many filmmakers like Nam Night Choi. He's very unique uh, in his um, his voice is very unique in Hong Kong cinema. I think. So yeah. so 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 that's my summary, and I hope you all enjoyed uh, this series. So very well said, Kenneth. So what do you want to very say, Tom? Well said. I I want to say um, yeah, we're very, very similar to what you said. As I said before, I think Nam's career is very similar to Lucio Fulci's. Mm-hmm. They dabbled in, you know, genre film such as crime, you know, early on in their careers, and then they found their niche in gore cinema. And be it down to either the love of it, 
maybe you know I don't know the money was better maybe they you know it was kind of more I think more in, in, in Lucia Fortis case it was more kind of because they sold better and that really where the fan base was mm-hmm. that's really what people wanted but, you know in Nam's career maybe it was different I feel with Nam maybe it's because more on the side of because his heart and soul was into it and that's what he loved doing and, and that's what he was best at and he played to his strengths which you know and it's not to say that you know we've touched upon things about I thought he was a decent hand at Eureka in a right ghost story He's decent hand at, at crime films, you know, Men from the Gutter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in terms of, um, you know, where his strengths lie, it's it's in these gore films. I think Story of Ricky being his most famous, I still can't see why. And I think during this series, you know, Ken, I think, you know, we've, 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 we both weren't massive fans of it. Um, and I think this series, again, has kind of tried, you know, reiterated in my head. Like, I don't still, still don't understand why... It's his most famous film. I still don't know why it was. Maybe it was because you know it was you know supposedly banned. Um, uh, you know maybe that's that's the whole reason. Um, maybe his most sellable movie, really. Maybe his uh, most sellable, but maybe because you know I can't even think because the comic's not famous. So I don't. Well, obviously you know not in the West. So I can't really put my finger on it. And and, and 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 sequences got like t- turned up on TV and stuff yeah, like that. I know the daily. I know the daily show showed the head smashing clip. Yeah. Uh, uh, back in the 90s and stuff like that so it, it got seen but maybe not in full in all places that showed the clip you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean it was yeah it was you know it kind of inf- infiltrated in I think it might have been more of the fact that it, it was seen in parts rather than a whole initially is why there was a lot of cur- curiosity into what how the actual film played mm-hmm. is my only you know big guess but yeah I, I just think he's very underrated director and it's I, I don't like the word kind of underrated sometimes because I feel like within our community and within kind of you know the, the you know uh, within the kind of community of Hong Kong there's, there's saying underrated is sometimes difficult because it's like what does underrated mean to certain people you know what you know if we're very deep into it is it underrated if you're kind of on the surface you know yeah it's possibly underrated so I kind of think let's just say as as not as well known or not as kind of as seen as a lot of the big big directors Mm -hmm. and i feel that in terms of creativity he's on par with a lot of the big names um i just feel he had creativity spare he not he didn't always put it in the right places and i feel like his heart wasn't always in it but when it is like this film um seventh curse he's just on fire And, and some of the the most fun films you will see in Hong Kong cinema is, is the only way I can put it mm-hmm. in terms of just sheer fun kind of you know and just the, an energy constant kind of energy fun it's it's and, and, and it, I'm saying that but even films like Her Vengeance which I saw for the first time last year which is completely the opposite which is just brutal mm-hmm. he, he had it all he had it all in him he, he basically was a very, very kind of well, a diverse director, dab hand at a lot of different things. Main strengths was in gore, and I feel like that's where he produced his best films, but his whole filmography is worth seeking out. Uh, I, just all from beginning to end. Bit of a dodgy start, but once you get into it, um, I think it was kind of film after film, and even if the film overall wasn't great, there was parts of it, there's, there's parts of it that, that were. Even if it was a bit kind of, you know, parts better than the whole be so be it for a few films because I think those parts you know so creative mm-hmm. um, and as they rambled on 
Yeah, but I'm not sure. But yeah, it's still me. Check out the guy's work because I think it, it's worth your time. Right on. And uh, in terms of the series, uh, it, it, it's obviously the first subject of the director series, and it ran very long uh, due to us being busy and creating other stuff, so we didn't do eight like quick episodes or anything. But uh, the reason I kind of made it run long was two reasons uh, behind it. One, I wanted to cover as much much of his movies as possible because. It's he deserves it, but it was always experiment. It was also experimentation in terms of the series. Like, should we? How, how should we like plan it? How should it be done? And uh, and maybe for the next series, uh, we won't do the entire filmography, or we might. You know, I, I'm not feel. I've not decided fully yet. But there there will be other profiles as well that have extensive filmographies that might be a bit. Uh, it might be a bit re- repetitive to cover all movies. But in the terms of next one, because we are going to announce the next director's <gasps> series Ooh. right now. And uh, he, it's a director, it's a he, uh, it's a director <laughs> that is uh, popular and has been covered on podcasts uh, before, but that doesn't uh, stop us. It's been great to hear coverage uh, of uh, this gentleman's movies on other podcasts. And I think we can add uh, something as well to make uh, the name rise even further than it has uh, through those podcasts and i'm talking about the work of director kirk wong and this is oh yeah a favorite director of mine uh, and uh, an interesting director not a very frequent either so i think we we got a chance to actually cover a whole lot of his filmography i mean ranging from the club to organized crime and trial bureau and of course crime story and uh, we are going to include the big hit in all of this because his yes. US debut underrated. was it is underrated. It was underrated. not it was not a very Kirk Wong ish movie, but I really liked it, the big hit. Uh, it was more a John Woo movie, like bring in another Asian to do a John Woo bring movie. Asian got off the street to this <laughs> film. And uh, he, he did a wonderful job on it. I really liked the big hit. So we are going to cover the big hit as well. I think Kirk deserves that. Uh, perspective and the context so lou diamond phillips son yes sir and marky mark uh, and marky mark uh, straight uh, out of uh, boogie nights territory so uh, yes you know still fresh still fresh music career yes exactly <laughs> uh, that's feel what it, i'm gonna feel it yes <laughs> and uh, uh, for the record i i can't wait to cover kirk wong's lifeline express which is a ken chiang teddy robin movie i think it has streaks of comedy but i i do remember it has some streaks of horror that were really effective uh, and it's a lesser known uh, uh, Kirk Wong movie obviously Flash Future Kung Fu The Club and what have you will be covered uh, and uh, uh, Rock and Roll Cop obviously and, and things like that great films just just great films and, uh, and another then... director I'm just, you know, kind of going to be proud to kind of show off mm-hmm. people who haven't again like Nam that haven't checked out a lot of his work I felt like at one point you were going to do Ronnie Yu but if you don't want to do Ronnie idea, Yu actually. I mean if we get to, you know, Bride of Chucky, that could be interesting. The same guy who directed Bride of Chucky directed uh, Fearless. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of just, 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 just kind of think about that, guys. That, that's no, reasonable. Only... Both are good movies. I like Bride of Chucky. I, I only say this because I watched The 51st Day recently. Oh, yes. <laughs> it, blew, it, blew me, it blew me away as to how weird it is. Carl Island Jackson. That film. <laughs> I would love to talk about that film. <laughs> 
Mm. Yeah, Ronnie you and in the west, uh, kind of odd. Uh, Ronnie you in the east, uh, <laughs> kind of. Um, yeah. Very strange career. I think the probably it's saying that it, it was. I was kind of joking, but it sounds like it probably would make an interesting series. I think so. Uh, I not think before he, Kirk Wong. Not before Kirk Wong. Kirk yeah. Wong next. I, I was going to mention because you know how Hong Kong directors do do acting every now and again because uh, it's needed and why not? Kind of. I think Ronnie Yu is the bad guy in uh, Corey Hewan's Blonde Fury, the Cynthia Rothrock movie. The I think. Right and wrongs. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was his bad guy. He, he plays a bad guy in one movie, and I think it's Blonde Fury. So, uh, it might be, you know, I, you, now you say that, he's got, he's got like a recognized Yeah, yeah, it oh, might that's, be. That's Kenny. He's not might. very intimidating, but that's him out of oh, all things. Oh, not really. <laughs> uh, but uh, Kirk Wong, first of all, and uh, that's going to be fun, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll start with And he's the that. boss. He's the boss in Blonde Fury. He is. Hmm. Yes, he is. One of you, yeah, Boss Wang Tae. Not like bad, not like uh, Cynthia Rothrock versus Ronnie Yu type of bad guy at the end, I'm not saying that, but he was a kind of a, you know, a a big boss of some kind. It was evil. Non-fighting big boss. Uh, so uh, it's all it's all good fun. I enjoyed this series. I enjoyed doing it with you, Tom and David Harris and uh, Hong Kong Dave, of course. And uh, we'll uh, resume work when uh, soon, when we can. We will start work on it right now. <laughs> Just for you guys. <laughs> We're gonna hear uh, like clattering keyboards uh, in the background, like Ronnie, no Kirk Wong. I mean, <laughs> Delete history. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, thank you everybody for supporting this director's series on Nam Night Show. I hope you liked it. And uh, we are out, uh, but some brief contact information before you've been listening to a director's series on the Podcast on Fire network. Check out this show, all the other shows, and the bonus episodes on podcastonfire.com. Send us an email with feedback if you like Podcast on Fire at googlemail.com. Join us on Facebook. Like our page, facebook.com forward slash network. Join the Facebook group, uh, go via the link on that page that I just said, or type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search box. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. Follow my writing, sogoodreviews.com, updated bi-weekly, which is every two weeks, not every week. <laughs> As we now know, with bi-weekly and the definition that Stu and Andy has uh, been fighting, uh, fighting about on their <laughs> Podcast on Fires. Uh, <laughs> yes, that would be smoother. That would be so much smoother. Uh, SleazyKVideo.com is where you'll find my mini video reviews with my commentary on top of them, if you will. And follow me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash SoGoodReviews. Subscribe to the director series on iTunes. And if you like the show, leave us a little star rating or um, in a, either a five or a one. Uh, it would be great to get some ratings over there. And, five would be nice. Uh, five would be nice. Know, but, uh, really generous. Yes. <laughs> uh, one for Ken and five for Tom. You know, that, that kind of thing. And maybe a three or four in total. Therefore, maybe a circle, an exclamation mark, and a Batman symbol. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that would be appreciated if you left also a little, uh, little written comment on iTunes. So, uh, but if you don't want to subscribe to podcasts and download them to your preferred device you can stream them via stitcher download the application to your 
Android, iPhone or iPad. And uh, also here, there's a BlackBerry app that is free. And uh, once you're in the Stitcher app, type in Podcast on Fire Network and you can add each show individually. And plug the vcinemashow.com review archive in whatever way you like, Tom. Yeah, keep keep keep, keep checking. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm really gonna hopefully get I'm, I'm lazy basically. I I enjoy writing, but I'm lazy, um, and stuff gets in the way, like watching movies and playing video games. So mm-hmm. hopefully I'll <laughs> I get some time in between that to write some reviews. If you enjoy them, you know, just let me know you enjoy them because it's always nice to hear. Because um, I enjoy doing them. Um, yeah. In, and uh, Ken says they're good. Yeah, you heard Ken. They are good. They are good. good. And he's he's a hot, he's a harsh critic, aren't you? Ken? I'm not really a harsh critic. Yeah, yeah, you're tough, man. He's tough. This guy's tough. This uh, this, this guy's the almond white of uh, <laughs> of podcasts. I ride a bicycle, Tom. That's how tough I am. So <laughs> I like to ride my bicycle. Yeah, you do, Ken. That's the remix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to reach Tom's, uh, Tom's uh, review archive, you can go to the show post at podcastonfire.com for this episode and uh, click the show links and uh, it's there. So uh, you can check that out. And uh, Friday night, I guess, is officially over because the director series is over. So thank you, everybody, for listening, even if you listen on a different day. And uh, thank you for supporting us. And this has been Kenny B for the director series and with me was Tom K.W. Goodbye gang.